0: Acts chapter 21 will be our text this morning. Espionage, deceit, lies, citywide riots, grand public speeches, shaved heads, centurions, old men, narrow escapes, stalkers, soldiers, prisons, chains, thwarted murder plots, flying dust and burnt hair sounds like a Hollywood blockbuster, doesn't it? Something like that. Well, it's not. It's actually this next chapter in Paul's life and several chapters here in Acts that we're going to go through together. It's almost as if a movie producer or a playwright could could take this and make a, make a killing, but to my knowledge, there's not necessarily one that exists on it, but uh, it's really exciting. And obviously we've seen, and Paul's life has taken some some fantastic twists and turns, um, and these chapters are going to be no different today. <laughs> Let's set the stage, though, for a second. Paul is approximately 52 years old. He's just completed his third missionary journey. And if you'll recall, a big um, part of this third journey, especially towards the end, was was a farewell tour of sorts. And these goodbyes, if you will, ended in uh, Ephesus, <laughs> and uh, Miletus with Paul telling the elders there that uh, the Holy Spirit was compelling him and constraining him to go to Jerusalem. And I believe you could argue Rome as well, although texts and acts and Romans aren't specific with it necessarily being God's leading, more Paul's desire. I think we see played out in this text that um, very clearly that um, it was God's desire as well. And this trip would result in an imprisonment that basically will last for the next five years for Paul. This trip to Jerusalem will continue to, f- to fulfill the promise of God to Paul that he would bear, bear witness of Christ to Gentiles, to kings of nations, and to the children of Israel, a promise given at Paul's conversion 17 years prior. As I stated up front, this text has a lot of fascinating details. We're going to read them here in a minute. Um, But that being said, I don't want us to lose sight of a couple overarching themes or premises to this or in this text. Number one, Acts, the book of Acts, is primarily an account or accounts of the Acts of the risen Christ. We established this early on in our study of Acts. Belief in or faith in the risen Christ produces results. This is what Acts is about. The gospel of Christ radically changes people. It breaks down social and ethnic and cultural barriers. It transforms cities. It shakes regions. It impacts the world. It compels ordinary people to attempt extraordinary things. It's worth fighting for. It's worth living for. It's worth dying for. It's worth selling everything for. It's worth giving up this, everything this world has to offer. The good news of the risen Christ has real power to change real people and real things. We're going to see that today. And we're going to keep that out in the forefront of this text as we go through it. And then also tied to this, I want you to see pictured or shadowed in this text today is this picture of Christ that the Holy Spirit uses this account of Paul to mirror for us, to reflect or point back to the person of Christ. You're going to see in a little bit a journey to Jerusalem. Betrayal by his friends, mocking crowds, a trial before Jewish and Gentile leaders. Please see Jesus in this account. I have to think Luke had a a smile on his face as he he penned these words, and the the Spirit drew out of his hand this picture of Jesus shadowed in this account of Paul. I believe by seeing Christ in this text, imitated by Paul here, we will be helped and comforted to know that. That God will never ask you to go anywhere or do anything that He hasn't already gone and done in the person of Christ. Every temptation, every fear, every testing, every despair, every pain, God Himself has felt and borne for you. So see Christ in this text and rejoice. So, first premise see, see Christ, number one. Number two see that this is primarily an account of bearing witness of Christ to one's Jerusalem, to one's people, their community, those closest to us. This text rings of the gospel being witnessed to a group of people by a man who knew them well and was known by them well. And through that, I believe we can find great encouragement. Let's pray before we jump in. Father, you're so good, and your promises are so true, and Lord, we've seen in such vivid examples today of the gospel, its um, power, Lord, we've read of and sung of you, Father, God, being the source of this love. We have read of Christ being the agent of this love and the spirit being the pursuer of us with this love, and Father, we are grateful for that, and Lord, we want to see that today. So Lord, open our eyes to, to us going out, bearing witness of this great and glorious gospel. Lord, we thank you and praise you for what you do and what you've done. We ask this in Christ's name, amen. I want to read this entire section Um, it's long so if it's easier for you to listen by just listening if you'd like to follow along in your Bibles I'll be using ESV translation Um, if you need to as as some of you usually listen to sermons with your eyes closed, you know, meditating the whole time, Um, things like that. If you need to just, I I want you to listen. And just, this is an amazing story that in a lot of ways tells itself. And so I want us to to hear it, to see it, to kind of soak it all in. So I'm going to read the whole thing. It's going to take a few minutes, but please um, do what you need to do to sort of put put yourself there. And, and capture um, these things we're, we're aiming towards. After these days, this is starting in verse 15 of Acts chapter 21. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Menason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. And on the following day, Paul went with us to James, and all the elders were present. And after greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. And, And they said to him, you see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews that... That have believed, they are zealous for the law, and they have been told about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to to forsake the law and that to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to their customs. What then is is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Do do therefore what we tell you. We, We have four men who are under a vow And then Paul took the men, and the next day he purified himself along with them and went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for each one of them. And when the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him crying out men of israel help this is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place moreover he he even brought greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place for they had previously seen Trophimus, the ephesian with him in the city and they had supposed that paul had brought him into the temple Then all the city was stirred up, and the people ran together, and they seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple. And at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. And he at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. And then the tribune came up And arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. And he inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were were shouting one thing, some another. And as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered them to be brought into the barracks. And when he came to the steps, he actually... He was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd for the mob of the people followed crying out away with him. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, May I say something to you? And he he said, Do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? And Paul replied, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hands to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear the, def- the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear bear me witness." From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed towards Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. And as I was on my way there and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him, and he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth, for you will be a witness for him to every one of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And when I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approved approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Up to this word, they listened to him. But then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribunes ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. And when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said, What are you about to do for this man is a Roman citizen? So the tribune came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, yes. And the tribune answered, I bought you this citizenship. I bought this citizenship for a a large sum. And Paul said, but I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for he had realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down and set him before them. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth and then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law, do you order me to be struck? Then those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now when Paul perceived that one part of, For Sadducees, and the other part, Pharisees, he cried out to the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say say there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose, And some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply, We find nothing wrong with this man. What if an angel or spirit spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn into pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him back into the barracks. Following night, the Lord stood by him and said, The Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. And when it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. And Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the tribune, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul, the prisoner called me and asked me to bring this young man to you as he has something to say to you. And the tribune took him by the hand and going aside, asked him privately, What is it that you have to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him. But do not be persuaded by them, for more than 40 of their men are lying in ambush for him and have bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man, charging him, tell no one that you have informed me of these things. And then they called two of the centurions and said, get ready, 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. And he wrote a letter to this effect. Claudius Lysias, the tribune, to his excellency, the governor, Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman citizen and desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council I found that he was being accused about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving death nor imprisonment and when it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him We'll end there The reading. What a story. What an account. It, a very big part of me just wants to stop and let this text speak on its own, but alas, I'll opt for a few words of application and encouragement from this text. And I have to say, with a text like this, there are many complex applications and encouragements that could go on and on, um, that you could draw out of this and study. And I hope you do. I hope those are conversations around the dinner table this week and today and, and things. But with that being said, we started off leading into this text by establishing the fact that this text is ringing with the living Jesus being witnessed, accounted for, or shown to a familiar people, the children of Israel, people that can attribute their very existence to God and root themselves as familiar with theological themes as possible, A people God has used to carry the line of the very Savior of the world. Israel knows God, Jerusalem knows God, but many in the city do not know God. And Paul knew this city, He says it himself. Grew up here. Studied at the feet of Gamaliel. So I want to draw out of this text for us, 2013. Christ Fellowship, Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. How can you and I be helped and pushed to bear a witness of the gospel in our familiar community, our Jerusalem, if you will, like Paul did. So, number one thing to draw out of this a gospel witness cares about its community. A gospel witness cares about its community. Maybe slightly redundant or obvious, but taking a huge lesson from Paul, he Cared deeply for his countrymen and those close to him. Time and time again, particularly in the book of Romans, he labors in his soul over so many of his Jewish brothers and sisters that didn't know the risen Christ. And we see in our text how Paul went to Jerusalem with, with, with no out, no backup plan, only, only a dream to go off to Rome. But as we saw in Acts chapter 20, Paul was going to Jerusalem with no clue what would happen next. Only that while he was there, he would. his purpose was to bear witness of the risen Christ. And you see that theme time and time again from Paul, no matter where he finds himself. He's all in, all the time. What about us, Christ Fellowship? What about you, believer? Do we really care about this place the people in in our jerusalem our community are are we spending it all in this place to see the gospel shine and bear its witness are you simply dating this church or another church you dating this community are you simply waiting till the next big opportunity and and off you go Are afraid to let your roots grow deep and let God move you? Worse yet, believer, are you indifferent and could take or leave this community or the community that God has placed you in, feeling virtually no, no emotion, good or bad, or otherwise, just eh? About the men and women and children living 50 feet away in the next house or that you pass in the gas station or that you exercise with at the health club or see in the park that God from the annals of eternity passes preplanned pre-planned that you would live next to and live interacting with in your life. He did not orchestrate those times so that you could swap recipes or, or help each other with yard work. He placed you in your Jerusalem to bear witness to his mighty name. So Christian, do you care for your Jerusalem as Paul did? The second aspect to a gospel witness in this text is that a gospel witness rises above the nine essentials. A gospel witness rises above nine essentials. (coughs) Excuse me. We see this time and time again all throughout Paul's life. And it's never more vivid than here in this text. Remember what Paul did. James and the other elders suggested he comply with this extremely visible plan to win the favor of of law-loyal Christians. And we know clearly from his letters, Paul didn't believe he had to practice any of these things. But what did he do? He tried everything in his power not to ever let himself get in the way of the gospel going forward. So Christian, step back and look at your life. Are your non-essentials, your preferences, your traditions, your way I've always done things, or even your, I just really think, standing between someone else and the gospel? And this would apply to believers and non-believers. Standing in the way of either, seeing the risen Christ more clearly, should be a horrifying thought to us. Friends, Paul was like a mother bear defending her cubs when it came to the gospel and a soft, mushy teddy bear when it came to any issue that wasn't. So please, brothers and sisters, ask yourself, am, am I in the way? of the gospel reaching people in our community. The third aspect of the gospel witness we see in this text, exampled by Paul, see a gospel witness finds its success in God. Think back to Paul before the crowd. What did he say in defense of his Judaism and his testimony? It's all of God. His birth, his training, his zealous persecution... And then his calling, his conversion, it was all ordained by the Father's hand, the promise that he would bear witness of Christ to the Gentiles, kings, and Jews at his conversion. It was all of God. The motivation to go to Jerusalem of God by the work of the Spirit, the sparing of his life by the overhearing of a murder plot by his nephew of God, the assurance of Christ himself at his bedside in the middle of the night that he would make it to Rome was of God. Everything was of God. And friends, this should give us rock-solid confidence that God's name going forward, the witness of Christ being born out in our community, is always of God. It's God's dream. It's God's hope that bodies of believers would exclaim first and foremost to their community the beautiful gospel of Christ. And it's on this basis that we should lean when results don't happen how we hope When a door is slammed in our face, when a neighbor ignores us, when we're laughed at, mocked, or maybe someday even martyred. Who knows? Should give us confidence that it is God who calls, God who saves, God who will shake this community with the gospel. The amazing part of it is we get get to be a part. So in who are we trusting? When we bear witness to the gospel, the gospel witness finds a success in God. Fourth thing, fourth and final aspect of the gospel witness we see in this text is that it champions the resurrection. A gospel witness champions the resurrection. The primary issue for Paul, really, the issue you can argue is at the center of this account, is the resurrection of Jesus. The Roman ruler sends him down to find out the root of the problem. We get to the root of the problem. We see Paul defending it in just a brief statement in front of the Sanhedrin before a a fight breaks out. But friends, this is at the very heart of the matter. Paul's whole motivation for coming was to get to this point with these people. Jesus is alive. Death and sin and Satan have been defeated. Living in light of this produced a reckless boldness in Paul. Read Colossians 3 and Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians 16 and be blown away with by the fact that being made alive in Christ and raised with Christ empowers you for everything. You know, that's exactly what Jerusalem needed to hear from Paul and that is exactly what this community needs to hear from us. There's really no amount of exaggeration to, Too big to encapsulate this concept of what Christ defeating sin, the cross, and the resurrection means for this community. This community needs to hear that their addictions, they're dead and buried, their guilt, dead, their lust, dead, their fear, dead, their worry, dead, their guilt, dead, their pain, dead. It's all buried with Christ. And it's raised to new life if there was. Simply repent and believe in him. So Christ Fellowship, I would ask you, are you sharing the risen Christ in our community like Paul did? Do you champion the resurrection as a source of your any good in you? any freedom they can experience. A gospel witness cares about its community. A gospel witness rises above non-essentials. A gospel witness finds its success in God, and a gospel witness champions the resurrection. Praise God for this helpful text. I'll simply end with reading from Romans so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And may we share that message in this community. Let's pray. (coughs) Father, we thank you for the example of Paul. We thank you that woven into this text is this Vivid picture, this reflection of the very thing our Savior, Jesus, went through. And Lord, that gives us tremendous confidence that you are a God that, that knows our fears and our pain and our hurt and our, our struggle with bearing your name in this place. So Lord, would you help us in, in times of indifference to be blown away by our risen Savior? Lord, in times of fear, would we rest in the fact that our Savior's been there? Lord, would we, would we care about this community? Would we set aside our desires, our dreams, and push your dream for this place. Will we bear witness to your name in all things, in all we do. We ask for this help in Christ. Amen.